and welcome to Upstage Downstage. With me, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And me, Stephen Rees, uh, seated in a cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat and let's raise that curtain. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Blood Brothers. We saw this touring production at Derby Theatre on the 21st and 22nd of April 2022. This musical, by Willie Russell, began as a school play before being developed into what is known today, the third longest-running musical production in West End history. So Richard, what's it all about? Blood Brothers tells the captivating and moving tale of twins who, separated at birth, grow up on opposite sides of the tracks, only to meet again with fateful consequences. So with all that said, let's set set the scene. So Richard... You saw this show on the Thursday and I saw it on the Friday. So this was going to be quite interesting to see how each production, well, each show differed. Not yeah. each show, each version differed. Yes. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. We'll, we'll see how it differed between fr- Thursday and the Friday viewings. So what were your first impressions of the set? Would you like to describe it for our listening viewers? Yes. I mean, I have got a little bit of experience of this. I have seen it four and a half times. Not excessive amounts, then. No, no, not, not, not a big excessive. fan. No, never, never. Russell, you know, there's, there's obsessive. no, 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 never, never, never been intrigued to watch it more than once. I mean, you know, that may be a giveaway for later. Not corrupted at all. Not getting any backhanders. No, no. no there's no, there's, there's no bribery. No. Although no. that'd be quite nice if, if it was offered. <laughs> but you walk into the production. You walk into the auditorium, and you're presented with two stretchers on stage in a typical council house area of a street in Liverpool and that is with the backdrop with the liver building in the background just depicting a street scene in any 80s built up area where there's deprivation Mm. and everything's a little bit run down and a little bit rough around the edges that is how you walk into the auditorium Yes, and they've got buildings on either side with there's tunnels the, the houses. and there's a there's a yes. there's sort of tunnels into other like walkways to other parts of the the street scene, shall we say? A so, little bit like Coronation Street or yeah, like, so it's kind of terraced of houses, terraced houses. Terraced yeah. That was at the stage right was where the Johnsons live, but on the stage left was that supposed to be on the same road or was that somewhere different? I think initially it's all on the same road. Mm. It's only later that it evolves. It, yeah, in, in the act two, it sort of doubles up as somewhere else. Yes, doesn't it, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's very much on. It's it's on the same street. Yeah. Um, but it is a very sort of cramped living conditions where they're very small houses next to each other. There's not a massive amount of space for. Well, everybody. you get that because some of the houses don't even have a front room window. No. And I think that's yes. supposed to uh, symbolise that you know yeah. they literally are living in corridors. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No space. Yeah. For the house is there for a purpose for somewhere to live rather than a a grand space. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> this set is pretty much static throughout act one and act two the only difference with act two is the johnson's house on the stage right gets a bit of a makeover yes yeah they um they get rehomed and uh, yeah. we'll talk a bit more maybe about that um later towards the within the uh, sort of writing of the piece oh right okay so how do you think the space was used and the scene changes i this? think every every inch of that stage was used 
Um, it is the touring production, so it's the same set I've seen numerous times. And okay, so I nothing's think was, changed from all these years. No, nothing's changed. Nothing's definitely they've not they've not changed any of the the sort of set pieces um, within the last at least fifteen. 15 years so so they're getting the money's worth out this set yeah they they are using it very well <laughs> um and i think i think it also lends itself for the performers because the set moves around with them so when it comes to performing on a new stage somewhere else they can hit the ground running where they they're, they're familiar, d- they're with, familiar with everything already yeah so that that lends itself for them as a cast to perform just as strongly on the first night as the last night so that helps them so much more than a different stage and a different feel even the the flooring and the staging mm. on the floor was all part of that set that was traveling so it was it was a raised set so the, there was an angle on the set yeah and that was all part of that so so it's sort of it's built really well where it's a solid piece of set but it still looks a little bit disheveled and a little bit of its 80s depression era sort of thing and i suppose also with that with the um the actors who have been in it for a long time, they yeah. go and do other things and then yes. they come back to it. Like yes. I know some of the actors in here have uh, done it before yes. and they've come back to it. So yeah. it must be good for them to come back. Yeah. It's like coming back home. Yeah, it's like putting, it's not a putting an old pair set. of slippers on, but it's just so comfy, yeah. comfortable and it just so works. Just pick up where they left off, yes. essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the um, scene changes and the space was used uh, terrifically. This is like a masterclass on how every show really ought to be done or aspire to at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, every um, set change. Well, the set didn't really change unless it was uh, the interval when it changed a bit. But the only way they did it was bringing down um, raised bars for different uh, scenes like yeah. um, Mrs. Lyon's house yeah. when, when that came down yeah. or... Um, when there was at the fair, the fair, things came Linda's down. house. There was there's like those moments where it was just the the scenery was dropped in from the ceiling, um, on the tabs where you you instantly knew with just one or two pieces of 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 scenery that it was a another space. Yeah. So that this this open space in the centre of the stage was very much a. With blank canvas. It's a blank, blank space, canvas. Everything, it? yeah. Even to the point of they had the liver building in the background, but they simply changed that a few times with a full full wall that came down just to mask that. But you still saw the liver building and the clouds in the background. It was still gave you that distance, so you still knew that you were in Liverpool. Yeah, in the it same was, area. Yeah, it still and when, gave when you the that reference down with the school as well. Yes. Yeah, that that yeah, also that was, uh... cleverly linked the the town hall as well. Yes. It sort of it, but it but it was done in such a way where the town hall had different different parts of the tabs brought down that just masked it enough to to create two different spaces, but very very well utilized pieces of set that that came in. Yeah, and what was um, interesting about this was um, whilst the scenes were being uh, performed, you had the narrator often either on stage, fully being visible, or observing from the back, walking across the gantry, which would yeah. have come down on a tab at the very back, or he would have been stood in the, the tunnel, the gully, yeah. area, or on the balcony, just observing. Almost as like a conductor of an orchestra. He yeah. was the person conducting the stage scene changes, and but he, he, he just... A bit he like knew a, his mark like a, every a god, time. A godlike figure overlooking yes. the uh, the story that's being um, portrayed. Told. Yeah, definitely. 
Yes, which uh, brings us into our next little uh, section about the the writing. I mean, this is Willie Russell. Yes. You know, uh, educating Rita. Yes. Uh, playwright here. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, so, yeah, talking about the writing, the original script was written by Willie Russell as a stage play to be performed by secondary school children. And the following year, he reworked it into a musical, which is what we see the intonation of it today. Mm. And I think by doing that, the core of the... We, we call Blood Brothers a musical, but it's actually a play with music. And I think that is very important when you see a you see an all singing, all dancing production that's a musical where it's glitz and glamour and the sort of a show tunes production. Whereas this is very much a play with music interspersed into it. I think you can tell because there's a... a story here there's a core there's and a real with musicals solid. there's like a, one song after another which uh, tell the story in the songs whereas yes. this tells the story and then there's a song in it yes how uh, uh, to, to uh, sort of move elements. the production on it's the sort yeah. of it's not a it's not it's not written the production isn't written by the songs that have been written first it's written with the core and the story and then the songs come and they, they mm. swell and be part of it even even some of the little bits where they reuse those songs. They're almost depicting a time and a place because there's an evolving. Some sound very fifties, some sound very eighties. There's this sort of, mm. there's a little bit of a link. There's there's elements of madness, and it's a very eighties production. I don't know because this is the first time actually I've seen Blood Brothers, mm. but I wonder, or I'm slightly intrigued, what it would be like um, without the narrator being part of it. Because I do, totally. I do wonder if that somehow slowed the production down a little bit or just got in the way of the story. Because I, I can understand the reason for it to be there, but I feel like this is taboo even talking about this. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I know what you mean. Did it need to be there? Did, yeah. did the narrator need to be there? I think the, maybe the key point of the narrator with this is it was a way to move the production on without any display of what scene is happening or the next scene or it was almost the poet it was like a wandering poet that was mm. leading you into the next piece so i see your point and yeah. but as a play maybe not but because of the addition of the music it needed it, mm. it may be pace because they may have had to put more dialogue in without him because there were certain elements that he set without if if he didn't, well, the, the growing up very... scene, the growing up scenes and the, the age of them and the piece like at the fair where yeah. he led into the fact that they're now 18 and they're now 19 and mm. the, the, those moments would have been very difficult to do without that, you know. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that simply because I think you saw the characters evolve yeah. throughout. the. You saw them as kids and then growing up and becoming a little bit more adult as they went along and then it talked about marriage and stuff so whether you needed someone to uh, say well the they're 16 here they're 18 there i, I don't know but his delivery and the, his dialogue was very poetic yes but, but i, mean, I also like think it, but... i also think there was maybe moments where we don't always see the backstage and the fact that there was a lot of set seen costume changes there was a lot of things where they were growing up with different things they were wearing and they were changing very fast mm. and they needed somebody to fill that gap so that they could evolve there were certain elements there, like that you're probably right possibly we don't but know I, we I, can't I, see I wouldn't it have even noticed you, that because quick, it went that yeah but it went that slickly yes that quick that 
it worked. Yeah, exactly. Um, during the, during those changes. Definitely. But in terms of the direction, I thought this was uh, just brilliant. Every little uh, nuanced uh, things from the facial expressions, from the acting, yeah. all the way up to where they were, the positions they were yeah. on the actual set. And uh, one of the standout pieces was when they was at the fair and, and they got the characters doubling up as being in the waltzes and they all yeah. went, went around like that and then sitting in the car and then on, on the bus. But, oh, yeah, the little things like the school bus, the the ride to school on the yeah, school bus. It's yeah. so simple, but it, it's all they needed was three school three bus mm. bus sets of seats, and that was it. But it gave you still knew where they were and what they were travelling on. I mean, yeah. there was other elements where, I think for me, from direction point of view, this is how Blood Brothers should be done. You can't mess with it. It is the production, and if a director tried to put a new spin on it, it just, I don't know how they could better it. But saying that, I... I... I think Willie Russell said, um, if you didn't have the set, if you didn't have the musical, if you didn't have all those elements, you could still put it on. Totally. You could still perform this in a secondary school, in an em- in an empty gym, mm. and it would still have the guts. The story, yeah, the story would still stand up. Yeah, definitely. Totally would. It's still got that. But the production levels on this and the directing, it, it, it just... And a lot of it's so simple. But I think what's also benefited them, because it's basically a family, they they know each other, they know how they're going to perform, they know the words and the characters inside and out. Yeah. You know, the moving to and from, putting things on the set, taking them off. Yeah. It it was so well done that this is like an overproduced, and I don't mean it in a bad way. No, 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 of course not. That's why it's so perfect. Yes. Because... The formula's right. The formula's right, and they've got everything down to a T. Yeah. There's no formula about, oh, no. I'm coming on here, I'm going off no, there. There's, there's, what, there's know, none no of that. You know, they, they, everybody walks to a part of the stage or walks off stage for a reason. If you finish that scene, you walk that way and you go off that way, and that's why you do that. There's no, there's no hesitation, mm. you know. And little things like the narrator just almost solidifying some of the scene changes where... Everybody changes the set. Everybody changes the scene. You never see a technician or you never see somebody else You never see an idle pair of hands. You no, know, everybody does something. Uh, yeah. You know, everybody's even, got a label. Even if they're coming on bringing something on, yeah. they'll carry something like a glass, for yeah. example, and just hand it to the person who's actually performing the Even something as simple as the so washing line that comes on yeah. that becomes... So many other things, mm. but that washing line, that person that brings the washing line, pegs some more washing out on it, mm. then it becomes a scene for a courtroom. And it's those sort of... It's yeah, got yeah, yeah. so many elements that just are so simple, but they're there for a reason. And the comedy was really spot on. Oh, it, it, you can't... It's just absolutely spot on. It, it, you know, I watched it with an audience full of school children, and I was expecting to be annoyed all the way through. And... We're talking of a production that's nearly 40 years... It's over 40 years old now, and you could hear a pin drop in that room, and those children never move. And that, for me, says a lot about the writing. If they can be fixed and watch that production and not move... You mean to say they weren't on their phones? No, because the, the teachers had took them all off them. Oh, well done, teachers. But there was no rustling packets. There was no, you know, there was a few moments because there's a few racy moments in this where there's like the porn magazine yeah, comes out and all those. Yeah. There was a lot of cheers and a lot of whooping and this, that and the other. But the minute it went back to the yeah. actual core of the, yeah. the story, pin drop. And it, it that said a lot about the writing for me because if that 
those those children can still be fixed 40 years later. I think it says a lot that if we can have a lot more children in the audience and a little less uh, ladies with handbags rustling for sweets, exactly. that would be just wonderful yeah. for me. But then I'm, I'm a grumpy old man. Yeah. So. But I think it's appreciating, they appreciated the actual, you know, it's still got that. Yeah, There's something can... about it. It's still got... Our next generation yeah. of uh, theatre. They're still watching it and taking it on in that way. Yeah. So. That was good. There was an awful lot of spittle. I must there say was that. a lot of spittle. There I was. Mean. But then I can see why they used that in the younger years of the children because yeah. this is adults playing children, but it's very. it's been done in such an observant way because obviously, I'm going to use my word, there was a journey. Oh, There was a journey for more than one character. There was never a journey, was there? Because you see the start and, and end, spoiler alert, of twins through their lives, this is a... I'm going to use masterclass again because it is it's a masterclass on how people evolve and change and age through a production. But I think you get that with all uh, Bill Kenwright um, productions. Yes. You know, yeah. I I'm, I think he it was his version when I saw Noises Off. Yeah. That got me into it. But there's always an attention to detail on how that and the writing stands up on this one as well because Mickey's poem when he's younger, when he's he's, he's nearly 7 and it's like I think mm. he's nearly seven. He's nearly eight. He's he's almost eight because he's, he's yeah. So seven. so it's it's Mickey's poem when he's he's nearly eight, but he's seven, but he's almost eight. Mm. That poem is so observant of that age group. Yeah. Where and the this man is a fully grown man, and I mean, I, I will say, um, Sean Jones, yeah. who has been in and out of of this production for a long time. He's done Mickey on the West End and he's done Mickey on the tours numerous occasions. He typifies Mickey as in you see that journey of <laughs> that twin in such a way. I mean, to play a, a, a seven, nearly eight-year-old and believe it for somebody, it's just, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. It's, such a, it's such a well-written poem that he delivers that's got humour in it, it's got fun in it. But he's got so and, much energy. And it's he just energy. So and energy to that part. Well, well, they all do. They all do, yeah, definitely. But for, for, for Mickey, at least, there's a lot more there. Yes, definitely. Be- because of, well, it was focused on him. The production is the life of Mickey and his mum, really. The decisions his mum make through her life that change the course of, basically, her sons. Moving on now. Do you know what we're here for? I think we're... Here, here for the, the drama. drama. So we've just been talking about uh, Mickey. Yep. Was there any standout performances? Let's talk about the acting and and the cast. I mean, I will give a special shout out to Nikki Evans. Yeah. Because I know she's got experience of being Mrs. Johnston. I've seen a few Mrs. Johnstons and she was as good as every other one that I've seen. I mean, the Nolans have played Mrs. Johnston. Mel C. Mel C's Mel played Mrs. Johnston. Has uh, Jean Boat ever played because watching this because i've never seen it before i instantly got bread yeah Caroline's and bread. that's that's the whole yeah it's, it, it, it's it, just deep it, within that yeah and, that, and mickey was world. basically billy for yeah. me yeah yeah, yeah definitely coming in with the money putting it in the yeah uh, it's the all bread basket yeah. and that's thing. totally that's totally it. i mean the original mrs johnston was barbara dixon yeah and i think that it is such a strong role where you you really have to embody the character to be that person. 
Yeah. And I think Nikki Evans really did that and she aged. She went through <laughs> hell. She just aged. She aged on stage, you know, then that's that's how the character needs to do it. I don't well, she's think a great I've, actress. Yeah, I think they really cast that character well because I don't think I've seen a bad Mrs. Johnston. It's not a part to be messed with. It's it's got to be done well, otherwise yeah. it's not going to work. It really very isn't. much down to earth. Yeah, but the thing is, it's it's offset. Yeah, by Mrs. Lyons. Oh yeah, exactly the, the posh one because obviously yeah. obviously Mrs. Johnston's the cleaner. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and you instantly got that. Yeah, and now. I must say, as much as um, I really enjoyed all the other actors uh, playing their roles, uh, Paula Tappenden, I hope I've got your name right, Paula Tappenden, as Mrs Lyons, she gave such a subtle oh, yeah. performance. Yeah. You could see the, the yearning for a child, the and desperation. You, it was in her face. It was just so but delicate. You could see the, the trouble. Yes. In her eyes, it was there's, there's, oh, so, there's much so much trouble, sadness, and like loss. But but also trying to trying to deny that the decision she's making is going to have bad consequences, and and almost ignore that, but then still cause problems later down the line. And it was sort of well, she went from yearning for something that she thought she'd never have yeah. to then getting something. Yeah. Well, getting this child that she craved so much. Yeah. To that she she then became. Sort of um, guarded, obsessed, and, and, and um, uh, oh, it was obsessed. Defen- it yeah. was like defensive, yeah, defensiveness over anyone who came close. Yeah, and it was so also obsessed with not. Distance. It's also obsessed with not letting the the fate get hold and try to run from the fate at all times and just be. Well, that's when on she edge. turned more yeah. desperate and and very um, guarded in yeah. terms of uh, making sure that. Um, Edward was nowhere near exactly, Nikki and and time. just by and, and sort of I think for me the writing says a lot for me mm. and on that person that plays that part because it's about showing that it doesn't matter how much you drive something apart it will they find will always, a way they'll always find a they'll way find a way to get back, back yeah. regardless of the you know however much it's like telling somebody no you can't touch that fire you can't touch that fire it will burn you. They're still going to try and touch that fire. If you draw attention to the fact that you shouldn't do something, don't press the red button. Don't press the red button. There's still somebody's going to try and press that red button. I think it's also down to the, the writing and the idea of um, separating the twins. And yes. Viewing um, what kind of lives. What if someone had an upper uh, middle class life yeah. and the other one had, was like downtrodden, which this is what this play explores. And... It's basically seeing two different versions of the same person, and that same person being like the twins, they're, they're going to become one again. Yes, yeah. it's like their life is trying to search for their other half. Yeah, exactly. To make them whole again. Yeah, and this has always been something that has happened in the past. There are stories, things have happened in deprived areas where people had to make decisions that were horrible sometimes yeah. but we never know about them these are things sometimes that giving never... up your child for your parents to look exactly after. you had yeah. to claim that they were your siblings. and in ways it's still happening now you know there are mm. areas where people have to make those horrible decisions but it's living with the consequences and this is where as much as we talk about mickey's story it's actually the, the two mothers mrs johnston and it's mrs lyons involved really it's because their their decision to split yeah those two children up and what happens, you know? 
Which is why when you start the show, you're basically at the end of what happens. And then you start then with going back in time to pose the question. To how, did, how did this happen? Yeah. So then it happened with these two mothers. Yes. One constantly getting pregnant and the other one that couldn't. Yeah. And then that's the, the story. And that, how to solve a problem. Yeah, basically. that's the inciting incident to this uh, story of um, how it goes ahead. Yeah, definitely. And all the other cast members were just brilliant. I mean, and it's interesting to know that Grace Galloway, she played uh, Donna Marie, Miss Jones. But she's also, she plays all the parts in this, but she's also the understudy. Yes. For yeah. Mrs. Lyons and Brenda. Yeah, and I think that's definitely what you... And, and also, I would add in there... Paula Tappenden, who I really, really liked as uh, Mrs. Lyons, she's the understudy for Mrs. Johnston. Yeah. So it's interesting to note that pretty much all the actors can play any part. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's How fantastic a, is yeah, that? Yeah, it's a versatile piece of theatre. It's like every, they know each other's part inside out. If you're going on a tour, you've got every uh, aspect covered. Yeah. Definitely aspect covered there. Yeah. I mean, I, I the, the performance I saw on the matinee on the Thursday. I saw uh, Jacob Yolland as as Sammy, mm. who and and I know you saw Daniel, saw Taylor. Daniel Taylor, and he was great. You see, I saw Daniel Taylor the last time I saw the production, ah. so so I've uh, I know he was great in his part. He really typified what you see as Sammy, a very much protagonist, a very much a little bit of a heathen, a yeah, little and bit. The, the older brother, the yeah. one that's always going to get into trouble. Yeah, the one. And what that, happened? He's the one that got Mickey into trouble. Yes. to go into prison. Yes. The first time round. And I will say that Jacob actually pulled that part off really well. And you wouldn't have known that he was an understudy. No. Only by being told when before the production started did you know that he was the understudy. But you didn't the minute he walked on stage you didn't think he was understudy. He was just Sammy. So and some might have commented that he was um he was a different race to Mickey and Eddie. However, because Mrs. Johnston had multiple partners yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't actually detract from the production. You just thought this is Sammy, you yeah. know. And I think that just it was just a special mention that the way they they sort of incorporate Jacob in that, you know. I mean, because what people forget is Liverpool was has always been a very multicultural area. Mm. There was there's a there's a there's a big population of a lot of different cultures because it's a port city people people tr landed in port in liverpool before a lot of other places so there's a lot more communities there so so it, it worked really well do you think the play was also telling the story of the male role in the family yes and how that would influence uh, someone growing up because obviously yes. the johnston they, they never had one no. father they were fending they there. were fending so they were almost finding their maleness or their sort of yeah where they, they fit in the they, they didn't yeah they 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 the mum we've reviewed other another production where we we talk about matriarch and sort mm. of a, a female character being the sole sort of provider almost of the family or you but know being absent want, be, but, play, but, but, and being absent but but this was very much about that matriarch yeah people saw the female as the matriarch the the mother was the the matriarch of the family the mother okay. was the one that give the give the kids the clip round the ears it wasn't the father a bit it like was, red yeah definitely you know, it was the, the father same. gone off with lilo yeah, Hill. because because in sort of in northern cities and northern towns the fathers were out working the mum mothers had to keep 
rank and hold rank in the house, mm. you know. And, and and that, in to some respect, is still what happens now, you know, and I think that, that mm. says a lot. One of the cast I'd like to pinpoint is um, Carly Burns in the character of Linda. Yes, yes. Um, because... She was just <sighs> lovely. Oh, her role, equally as Mickey, has yeah. to evolve throughout the production. And it did. And it's, it's such a role where one minute you're... The love interest, the the child at school, the, the short skirts, and, the innocence yeah. that that then becomes more mature, where she wants a relationship, but then also, but also being a bit promiscuous, yeah, being promiscuous, well. but then, but then changes into so many levels where she well, has she, to support, and her she's husband, looking after Mickey, looking after Mickey, and... who's on drugs, who's dependent on antidepressants at the end of the production, but then also wanting and needing love for herself so yes there's there's so many levels that you this production's written in such a way that you see that change you forget about it because you see mickey and eddie evolving Mm. you forget that the other characters are also growing up but then they shock you out of the blue then the the other mention that i'd say with with same with with linda's character is how slowly she became mrs johnston yeah where she was wearing a similar coat and a similar she turned costume. Into basically a she was that it was all of a sudden you just saw it and it was like there was a few moments where they directed a piece where they just stood close enough to each other to just depict mm. that silhouette and and it was really cleverly put together where it was just a, a second or a moment where you just saw that and you were like this then is they the just then we, yeah so and then she'll end up being it's like, it was, it was, it's like the passing the baton on it was the, like passing the baton on with the yeah, next, yeah yeah because basically the father of that new baby she is no longer yeah so it's, it's, it's yet a, again it's a repeating yeah, and it's the cycles repeated but like every character they've got something about them there's a reason why they're there and yeah. they're never underutilized at all no. so i would like to point out that mr lyons was played by a uh, tin churchill and he also played well he, he was a doctor yeah but he also played milkman. The, the milkman yeah and very and uh, one of the um, the school kids as well yeah. with a balaclava on, so yeah. you couldn't really see his face. Yeah. But the way he changed, as well as oh, who was the um, the policeman and the teacher and Nick Wilkes as well. Yeah. Transitioning from the school teacher from a well-established posh um, school for Eddie to them changing from one school principal to a school teacher in the comprehensive school for Mickey. Yeah, and I mean, I think for me it. it... The whole cast. Oh my god! Sorry, it, Mr. Lyons, Tim Churchill. He's also the assistant director. Yeah. Oh my days. Yeah. Because they know how to do it. They just get on with it. Well, there we go. I'm still learning, even after I've seen the show. Now then, is there anything else you'd like to mention about? The I props think for me, for, for for me, cast. We'll we'll talk about props next. But I think for me, just a special mention to all the cast, because. Everybody had to change character, or one minute there was three, three of the 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 sort of not that well because I I don't like to say principal cast and separate separate to the principal cast because for me they were all everybody was needed on stage. There was nobody wasted. It was you know one minute they're becoming bailiffs where they're, they're removing things, but their body language has changed. Mm. They 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 became that next person and character. And when like you talked about this the the fairground scenes, yeah. They all became believable. The wedding scenes, they, but they all changed costumes and all became different. They, they scenes. changed their stance and style, and uh, in like a, a a click of the finger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they but they became crowd scenes, and they became they became part of 
the school where they sat as school kids and they all became school kids. You believe that they were all the school kids messing about, mm. being the being the, the geeky one where he gets his finger trapped in the in the desk and all those sort of things where they they're all the elements that it just you I think you when you sit back and realise how much they have to learn mm. as a cast, it is so so rewarding. As it must be rewarding to perform, you know. Yeah. And uh, what about the props? Or what can I say about the props? This yet again is another masterclass on prop use. Yeah, I there was one inc incident where um, the kids were like messing around, yeah. playing. Um, oh, in Indians cowboys and, and Indians, yeah, cowboys yeah, yeah. and Indians on yeah. there, and uh, Mickey pulled out a condom. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and when I went to see it, uh, I think it was him. Yeah, or it, not. Not Mickey, sorry. Who was the other one? Daniel. No, no, don't, Sammy. Don't. Sammy. Sammy pulled out uh, the condom. Now, I don't know if it was uh, Sammy or Mickey that flung it up. Yeah. Now, the narrator was stood up at the top on the balcony when I went to see it, and the condom wrapped itself around the actual uh, banister. Now, yeah. whether that's supposed to be there or not. No. But once that had finished, uh, the narrator flicked the condom, yeah. which landed straight uh, back down on the floor next to Mickey. Yeah. And it made people laugh. So when it came to Linda singing her piece, yeah. she creased up. Yeah. Because she, she couldn't get it out right because she was just laughing at the fact that um, this, this condom, condom just it, it, it fell down. back down again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what happened on the, the ship. Yeah. The night I went to see it. I mean, for me, prop use, it was, if anybody wants to learn how to, I suppose you can't really call it prop use. It's It's more like, everything on stage was used you'd look at the stage and you'd see an open stage and think there was nothing there but then there was little things like there was a brick hidden stuck in the wall that was then used to be stood up on and swung on like they were drunk on on the way home from a night out in the in the night time and then there was yeah like the lamp yeah the la the lamp itself on the wall and you know and and little things like the guns that were being used mm. they were hidden under the in the in the in doorway the under boards. the step which was believable but it was just a simple simple lift up trap door that was just there and i think it was things like the tape they just when the scenes came down for the rooms or this that and the other they had a table brought out with a chair on it and it was or a settee and a and a blanket and a rug and and the the rug was basically put out by Mrs. Lyons and Mr. Lyons, like they would be at home just doing that. And mm. it was it was done in such a way where there was just enough stuff. And I think for me, it was like the scene changes. If the settee was brought out, the props were already on it. Like the teddy bear was already on the... On yeah. the, on the, the I think there was loads of moments that you almost have to watch how fast they happen because everything's there. You know, and it's, it's... Well, a lot of things happened or people brought stuff on. And that, I, I was looking and I thought, when did they do that? Yeah. I, I missed it. Yeah, because like it was that came down on the slick. cloud from above. I thought, when did that happen? Yeah, it's like that slick that you sort of... and But I think that's where the narrator comes in because you're watching the narrator yeah. and listening to him. The oh, scene's maybe, changed. So maybe it, and the scene's changed. Yeah. And I think that's what you're forgetting. He's up in the in the on the top of the balcony in a window talking... And the scene's changed in front of you without mm. you really realising because So maybe they, it's utilised as I think, a distraction. Yeah. Whereas in the 
in the play it might have been different whereas in the actual mm. for it being a fast-paced because mu- it is a fast-paced musical theater piece where you don't really have time to compute the next scene because it's happening but you're just going on that you it's, it's a roller coaster with a real with a purpose you know mm. moving on to our final segment what the tech is this what did we think about this use of the sound the lighting the special effects what can i say i mean i've seen this this version i've seen it more than once um and it doesn't disappoint i think a bit like another masterclass really the the lighting and sound is enough everything's there there's nothing out of place it was nice to have a live orchestra uh, live band there to actually play the music because it felt real it felt very 80s it felt very of the time there was live instruments and they did a lot of things where there was in the in the corridors or the in the in the sort of tunnels there was little bits of light where you knew that when they walked through them that it was that's where they were going but it lit them up in light it was a lot of street light scenes there was a lot of things where it just felt right i mean the sound effects what can i say they were they were done really well the gunshots oh my days and and the fact that they, they had people coming in from the sides yeah please coming in from the sides and stuff that scene i purposely didn't tell Stephen about because i wanted him to experience the final scene yeah because that for me is how at the end of the day there's a death there's two deaths at the end and it's done with a gunshot in such a way that I've seen it four times mm. fully and I even now I jump. Even yeah. now I jump out of my skin because it's done in such a way that you think the gun's going to go off. You keep thinking the gun's going to go off. You keep thinking the gun's going to go off. And then, and then it doesn't thinking. go when you expect it yeah, to yeah. go. And then you just yeah. jump out of your skin. And and it's just... I don't mean, I don't know what you thought about that, Stephen, but... Yeah, well... I probably would have had them coming in from the sides as well. Yeah. But the fact is, um, you heard this rustle. You yeah. saw like a bit of an door open and then coming in. I thought, okay, okay. Uh, in in the corner yeah. of your eyes, that's yeah, yeah. what you saw. I mean, I was in the third r- row, yeah. so uh, they were sort of like adjacent to where I was. And I thought, no, I'm not going to pay any attention to mm. this. I'm still going to, because I thought they might come up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And yeah. then like you say, um, is it going to go off? Is something going to go yeah. No, no, no. I completely forgot that it started with the death scene to begin with. Yeah. Because it's such a long show. Yeah. And then uh, when they did like, go like bang, bang, it's like, Jesus crept. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It just went yeah. straight off and it was like, ooh. And, and you almost feel like you're there in the room and you're like, the gun's gone off. Yeah. When, when he accidentally shoots Eddie. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's one. And then bang, bang, bang. Yeah. The other one gets shot. Yeah. Because you don't expect it. And, and I it's, think it's the accidental shooting where... I don't give too much away, but he swings his arms about like he's not actually going to go through Spoilers. Spoiler alert. But then it goes off at a point where I don't even... The way I see it is I don't even think the cast know when it's going to go off. Mm. So they react. Yeah. Because I think that they must alter that timing just by the split second every time so that that cast react in such an authentic way. Mm. Because... This thing is special mention to Mickey on this, but he gets taken to a place of deep depression. Yeah. From being a child in the first half to complete, absolute manic depressive, mm. where he's at the end of his end of 
end of any patient's level, end of any... He doesn't... He can't well, compute he's any... He's, he's too he, reliant on the drugs He now. can't think anymore. He can't think of how he's going to... What's happening in life anymore. Mm. So everything's numb to him. And I think they create such a... It, it, it's such a build of emotion and drama at that well, end of the production. Well, it is emotional because it's like, why did it have to be him? Why yeah, did he exactly. have to have that life? Why yeah. couldn't have he yeah. been the person that was sent away? Exactly. Like Edward. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, it is, and I'm sure we all think like that sometimes. Like, yeah, why, why me? Definitely. Why have I got this yeah. life? And, and I think to write that in such a way that can have that intensity... But then for the sound effects and the the sort of the you know because we've not really talked about the music in this this podcast yet, but you know we all build up to the final song that mostly is pretty famous across the 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 world really because of what it is. But I I've think, never heard it before. Uh, you see, and that's that says a lot because it's not not everybody knows it. I and don't get out enough. No, but <laughs> but from a gunshot to then. To then be singing, tell me it's not true, yeah. has so much power, and yeah, I don't think you can. You, but yeah. I don't think that song makes any sense if you hear it out of context. Out of context, no. It, until but, you hear it when you've gone through that emotion of gunshots, yeah. people dying, and and then seeing the look on Nikki Evans's face. Yeah, when and she's virtually that her son, at both the her end sons of have died. She she she's gone past tears to mm. the point where she just cannot compute but it's such a powerful moment that you cannot mm. do you couldn't film it you mm. couldn't put it on a, a th- you couldn't put it on a, a you couldn't make it as a film so it wouldn't have that power no but i think that then that that says a lot for you know that that's what sound effects and lighting do to make something believable and they don't go over the top and but just to interject here, um, for the followers of us who have uh, heard our other podcast, we talked about Cluedo and the sound effects of the gunshots. This is how it should have been done for that. Prove, uh, do I prove my point, Stephen? I think you do. <laughs> this is how that should have been done. This is how any any sound effect should be done. It, it's got to have that element. And, and it's just... It, we shouldn't talk about a gunshot as much as we do, but this is... This is how you do a sound effect with dramatic effect, and because imagine them playing this scene out, and it would have just been like a uh, gunshot that was just miserable or just yeah. next to nothing. Yeah. It would it would have lost its impact. Of course, it would. There'd, there'd be it no. Like, was that it? Yeah, exactly. There'd be no. Choo, choo. You, oh. you you just and that's how you interpret something. If it's gonna have that effect, and it's got to, it's got to shock. And there's no holding back. If you want the audience to reach that level of emotion, you really need to go for it. You or do them around the head with it. You've got to because you can't be scared about um, somebody on the front with heart failure. You've got to. You've got to just do it because you warn people before they go in, and if they're worried about it, they, that's that's it. But if you want to create that piece of theatre that people remember, that's how you do it. You know. Yeah. So Richard, uh, the musical numbers. What do you think about them all? I think they're very poetic in the way they, and I'm not talking about sort of happy jolly poetry. It's more a, it's it's a piece poetry that sort of lingers through the whole production to, to sort of enhance some of the thoughts and the feelings of certain people. I think that the one of the key ones is. Um, is the mentions of Marilyn Monroe? I was going to say that's the, the only song I can remember. Yeah, and I think for me, um, 
one of the, the the things that I really like is how not only are we seeing the characters progress, but we're also seeing how clever Willie Russell is about writing, where he's included the the stages Marilyn Monroe went through in her life. As in, we talk about Marilyn Monroe going out, dancing, going out, mm. having a good time. But then, when Mrs. Johnston does the reprise, reprise in the second half, and she talks about Marilyn Monroe becoming drug-dependent and losing her mind, mm. the same way Mickey has, mm. it's so cleverly done where it links back to the fact that it's the same sort of situation... And it's the only thing she can reference as to how she can explain. I suppose it's like, on one hand, she aspires to be taken out and be in Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. But then, once you've aspired that, there's also the dark side that you might not want to aspire to or what you would then have to deal with. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's sort of... It's like Bright New Day and things in the songs where basically they were looking forward like the better days are coming and... And and things where you're watching this piece of theatre going, I don't think bright new days are coming on. It's almost like it's but it's I, almost I think, like pointing at the fact that there's so much more coming, but it's not. We all know the ending. I think way. what's helped link with that is the narrator's uh, shoes upon the table. Yes. Now I can't remember it, but what that is foreshadowing is the fact that you're giving yourself bad luck because you put shoes on the table. Fate brand new is shoes. still going to have... Brand new shoes on the table, like a brand new day. Yes, and it's, it's, it's almost... But it's also saying that that, that cloud is still looming, that mm. there's still things coming. That and, and I think it's that dream of things that... I think those those songs, they make a point of... I mean, for, for example, Kids Game, which talks about them... See, this is a foreshadowing song as well because Kids Game talks about everything's just a game. If you keep your fingers crossed and you count from one to ten, mm. everything's back to. But if you didn't, everything's it didn't back matter. to. But it didn't matter. Yeah. But but if you didn't keep your fingers crossed, you're gonna die. And and it's it's all those sort of moments where it's, it's like such a child's a, view of the world. Yeah, it's, that actually, it's such an still... innocent view of something that their parents have told them or whatever if you keep your fingers crossed it's another it's another shoes on the table it's another thing you shouldn't do it's another it's another superstition mm. but it's a foreshadowing song that's foreshadowing that that, that life isn't a game yeah. and these things eventually aren't a game and the decisions you make in life you know and i think all the songs add to it and they all create and i think there's there's some bad critiques where everybody thinks the final song is every all the other songs are just waiting for that final song they're all just waiting for tell me it's not true but i genuinely think this is almost shakespearean in the sense of it's poetic you're just watching different poems being read but sung and that's that's the difference with this it piece. is in a way especially with the the narrator's um, it's a tragedy it's a tragedy at the end mm. of the day this you know but it's pushing you along yes to actually um, for the denouement of actual, yes. the actual show. It yeah. starts with the ending. Yes. So it's building you up yeah. as to, okay, this is how it ends. Yeah. I'm going to show you now how it's going to end yeah. and why it's It's like Romeo end. and Juliet where you know you know what's coming in a way, but it's a sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's a tragedy, but you're going to see the story unfold in front of you, you know. Mm. Now for our ratings, as we say... Mm. 
call this a show. Final thoughts on this production, Richard. Well, Sum it up, please. Indulgently, I'd say it didn't disappoint, and I have seen it before, and I'd definitely see it again. I maybe wait a couple of years, but that's only because I've seen it a few times. And how many? It's four and a half. Four. And Alex, <laughs> you've seen half a show. I've seen half a show, and it was, and in a way, I'm actually glad I only saw half a show, and I'll explain why. Oh, we talk about. Uh, I went to see it at the assembly rooms in Derby. Uh, probably we're talking fifteen years ago. Oh, so not when it burnt down and you had to get out. Of... No, no, we're not that not then. No, no okay. not then. Um, it was a decision where we had tickets. I went to see it, and in the first half, I was already disappointed. Bearing in mind, I'd already seen it three times. Where the scenery, where we talk about set changes and scenery, where um, where the rooms come down from the ceiling and mm. the set changes none of that happened they just did some of the scenes with the table and the rug and the chair and the settee and the rug where so so for me i'm i'm glad i only saw half a production because a lot was it of a bad one it was a bad one because the, the cast would have been great however because of the the technical ability of the derby assembly rooms they couldn't do any of the fly tower stuff. They oh, couldn't do any of the things right. that would normally have been done in every other theatre. So we're going to blame Derby Assembly Rooms for that. One. We are, and I've Fair always bl- I've always done that because, I mean, for me, it was a very risky decision to bring it to the Assembly Rooms if you can't actually technically put the production on in that yeah, space. If you if you've got to cut things out, nowhere else for it to no. Go to, really. So if you're going to cut things out and not do it justice. Mm. I would wouldn't have done it. However, I only saw half a production because somebody was unwell in the interval, and the decision was made to cancel the entire second half of the production. Oh, so I was a little bit baffled by that. Probably However, relieved. It, I, on reflection, I'm glad I didn't see the second half. Well, that's a five minute anecdote we needed for this episode. I think. Yeah. For me, summing up. I came into this not seeing it. I've seen plenty of posters for several years now, dotted all around the town. Whenever it's been on, it feels like it's always on. And I thought, oh, okay, let's go and see what it's about. And actually, it's a really good play, really good story. I like the plays where it's, what if this happened? Because as you know, I I wrote one with that kind of, what would happen if sort of thing. So I love this. Yeah. Would I see it again? Absolutely. Yeah. Would I see it so soon? Like you say, probably a few more, few years time because it's a long show. I think it's like one of your favourite films. You could watch it once and you need to give it some yes. time and then it has the same impact again. Yes, absolutely. So, scores now, Richard, with 10 being the absolute bee's knees and one being a bag of Yeah. Well, I am brutal. Ooh. But I will give this a 10. And it's not just because I've seen it again. I thought the performance was worthy of that 10. Is this a 10 with the cherry on top? It's a 10 with the cherry on top. Oh, get you. A little bit indulgent. Yes. Well, I'm going to say it's a 10 as well. Simply because it's faultless. Yeah. I can't compare this to any other show with my ratings. This is how I do it. I can only go on uh, the acting and and, um, the the set and the light. Just everything about this production, I can only rate it for what it is. And for me, it's just 
10 out of 10. Yeah. What what more can you give it? Because, I mean, if we had an 11, I'd give it an 11. But the thing is, I wouldn't change the set. No. I wouldn't change the direction. No. I wouldn't change the costume, the props. No. I wouldn't change the lighting and the sound. I no. wouldn't change the actors. No. You just How can you? It's no, just, just everything there. No need. It's so intense and it's such a piece of... It's just gritty. There's grit in it. And it's like, they don't sweep the grit away. They just perform it. Mm. So, yeah. 10 out of 10 from us. So, what sound effect will you be choosing from the following? A complete train wreck. Tumbleweed. An audible shrug of the shoulders. Uh? A slow clap. A pleasant applause. Or a standing ovation. What so what are you be? going to give it? No, I'm going to go first. Well then. Because you're going to copy me. I'm not. I'm going to give it a standing ovation. Because I think we did give it a standing ovation. I'm going to give it a standing ovation too, Stephen. Oh, because copying me. No, well, if I went first. do you know why? Because I gave it a standing ovation. Did you? I was up I think in the audience. Did. I think every I think, single one of us and, did. And I felt overwhelmed with the standing ovation because I was in a room full of children from schools mm. and they gave it a standing ovation. Yeah. And if that happens, this is a special piece of theatre. Because... I think with that ending as well, anything that ends slightly tragic as yes. well, I, I, that's moved you. Uh, overwhelmingly Overwhelm- emotional y- as well. Y- you're up on your feet. Yeah, and it leaves you bewildered a little bit in in a good way. You're like, have I just seen that? Mm. And I think that's how theatre should leave you. If it's going to go there, it needs to go there. Yeah. So there we are. That's our discussion of Blood Brothers. We hope you found it insightful. If not, entertaining. Coming up over the next few episodes, we will be discussing the new production of Fascinating Aida on the Road Again. A Week in the West End, where Richard Platt takes on five of the top shows. And the new musical, Identical. That's it for this week, folks. If you'd like to drop us a message, please email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always join in the chat to share with us your views on a production. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. Downstage.